Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. I want to get in touch with you, and you want to get in touch with us. That means we're going to communicate. We're going to communicate on social media, Facebook and Twitter. at Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N. The number is 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iHeart, iTunes, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. We are nationwide, and we want you guys to take a listen. Now, listen, we got a lot to talk about, right? AD goes down. I'm going to tell you about the impact of that, and it's not the impact that you actually believe that it might be. I'm going in a different direction there to make you a little bit of money. I want to talk about the college basketball rankings as well. Also, down conferences, smaller conferences, what to watch, who's the teams. We'll get into all of that over the next hour or so. All right, let's start it off right at the top. Anthony Davis goes down. He's out. They said he's going to be reevaluated in three to four weeks. This seems like a very significant injury. Now, I do want to give you a little uh, a preface to this. On our regular show uh, that, that is broadcast on radio, I, I sat back and I said, just be very careful with the snap to judgment. And I want to just touch on that quickly because the snap to judgment from people that are not inspecting Anthony Davis is something that we see in sports all the time. And people run to the betting windows betting on something that they, they're not sure about. Now, this case is a little bit different because the Lakers are the preemptive favorite. They are the number one team. They were plus 250 to win it all before time. The Nets coming in plus 375 right behind them. And I don't think that this is going to necessarily make people jump onto the Nets. When you have a team that is very high, the bets are already in. Now, are people going to go out there and make a, a shot and buy the dip on the Lakers? You know, I don't I don't say that you should do that either because we don't know about Anthony Davis. The reports came out. First it was, well, there's structural damage. Then it was no structural damage. Then it was, we don't know how long it's going to be. Then it was, ah, it's going to be at least a month. Now it's going to be reevaluated. I don't know, and you don't know. And remember, where is the, the conversation coming from? It's coming from sources that want you to know specific things. It, it's coming from sources that want you to know from Anthony Davis's camp, oh, he's going to be fine. From the Laker camp, oh, he's going to be fine. Or from people trying to make headlines saying, I told you he's going to be out. You got to understand where the source is coming from, where the source is coming from. In a lot of these situations, ladies and gentlemen, the source is coming from, it's coming from an unreliable aspect. Right. I mean, we're all sitting here in a political realm and you, you turn on Fox News, you're going to get one slant than you do on CNN or MSNBC. You're going to get a different slant. Well, it's the same thing in sports, depending on where you're getting it. We knew Carson Wentz was definitely going to be traded in like hours. Then it came out. Well, we never really had an interest. Well, why? Well, whose camp leaked that? And it's the same thing with injuries. I hate to say it, but it really is. Now, let's go into AD on the court being lost. He was number two in the voting for Defensive Player of the Year. Number two to Ruby Gobert as far as odds are concerned. And it really was a one-two race. When you see the Lakers, you think, the Lakers, Lakers, Lakers. What are we talking about? We're talking about offense, scoring, showtime. But it wasn't like that this year. When he went down, the Lakers were number three overall in points allowed. Number three in rebounds allowed. Number two in offensive rebounds allowed. Number six in defensive rebounds allowed. 10th in field goals around. 2nd in 3-pointers allowed. 6th in opponent free throw percentage. 6th in opponent field goal percentage. Opponent 3-point percentage 3rd. Defensive rating overall was anywhere between 1 and 3, depending on what metrics you were using. 
This is a defense-first team. And it's a defense-first team that knows they're going to be a defense-first team. They, they understand it. They embrace who they are. And who they are, well, that's a defense-first team. But now, all of a sudden, Anthony Davis goes down. And people are going to rush to judgment that the Lakers are going to take a step back. And the Lakers are not going to be as good. And the Lakers, you know what? They're not going to be that dominant team anymore. Well, first of all, when he went down, they were already chasing the Utah Jazz. Now, do we feel like the Lakers are going to fall out of playoff contention without Anthony Davis? Absolutely not. Come on. You can't think that way. Which means that you can't automatically think that they're going to lose a lot more games. Now, in a betting perspective, I will shy away from the Lakers with the elite teams in the league. If the Lakers come up against the Clippers and the Lakers come up against uh, you know Utah, I'll shy away from that early on here while they make some adjustments. But are you going to shy away if they're playing the Kings? Are you going to shy away if they're playing Oklahoma City? No, you're not. It's going to be the same team. LeBron is good enough and still good enough to put the team on his back and to carry it for a couple of weeks. I think people are more worried about long-term, and I'm more worried about long-term. With that said, we have people jumping out and jumping out of their skin to try to get ratings on these other networks saying, oh, that's it, Brooklyn just won the championship. It's a ridiculous statement. It's a moronic statement. Because if AD misses four weeks, comes back for the playoffs, then this is the same Lakers team, isn't it? I mean, they still generally had to go through the same teams. Who is the team in the West that scares you outside the Clippers? I'm waiting. Still waiting. Can't tell me Utah scares you. No. Can't tell me Portland scares you. No. No. I mean, there's not a team that frightens the Lakers outside of potentially the Clippers, which if all goes right, that's who they would have to face anyway. So I'm not jumping on the bury the Lakers bandwagon here. And then we look at LeBron. What kind of season is LeBron having? Well, he's having an MVP type of season. Now, his career numbers are about in line with his numbers are. 25 points per game, about 8 rebounds per game, about 8 assists per game. Where do I think this is going to go? Well, here is the totality of my conversation about the Anthony Davis thing. I think Anthony Davis hurts. Him going down clearly hurts. It's going to hurt the Lakers. But it's not going to hurt them as much as people believe that it will. Unless he's done for the year. If he comes back for the playoffs, this Lakers team still has championship hopes. Still should be the championship favorite, dare I say. Yeah, I still believe that. But in the short term, what can we do with the Anthony Davis news? Are the Lakers going to be as good without him? Absolutely not. But the Lakers on the court, I don't think we're going to see that much of a difference when we're talking against the spread. How are the lines going to be different? Well, early on, potentially, People will be a little overreactionary, but it's still LeBron, right? It's still the Lakers. It's still this team that can win a lot of games without AD. Now, Kyle Kuzma's going to jump in. Kuzma's looked pretty good. Kyle Kuzma's looked like, like he's the man, right? I mean, he he's not going to be AD. And what's going to suffer the most? Defense. Which now gets me to my conversation of how can we attack the news of Anthony Davis? How can we turn Anthony Davis's unfortunate injury into lining our pockets? Well, here's what we do. I gave you the defensive metrics. The Lakers defensively and the metrics defensively show they are really good on the boards. If you're going to beat them, you better hit great percentages But isn't that going to change with the guy that was number two overall in the odds 
all across the country to win the defensive MVP? Yes. I think the Lakers are going to understand that they have to change their mentality. They have to go out there and become an offensive team. And LeBron James is going to say, okay, no problem. I don't think that that they're stupid enough to try to continue to play exactly the same way without the guy that was their best defensive player. Talk to me all you want about it, LeBron being the MVP. There's no doubt that Anthony Davis is the best defensive player. So they're going to have to change their game plan up. Well, LeBron's played offense before, right? I mean, he's played offense-minded basketball a lot of his career. For a lot of his career, a lot of people saying, you know what? He's a good defender, but he's not fantastic. Well, this year's Lakers team was a fantastic defense. LeBron, you're going to have to now play some offense. I think the scoring is going to go up. So I'm looking at this from a betting perspective. I'm not looking at the Lakers as a team to bet against. I think the market's going to move. I think the lines makers are going to say, you know what? The public knows AD's down. The public understands that. Let's move the market. And the lines are going to reflect that. Especially early on, you're going to see these lines reflecting that. So early on, what are we going to do? Well, you're not going to be able to make money betting against the Lakers. Do you have any confidence that all of a sudden that you're going to start making money betting still on the Lakers? All right, well, that's a contrarian thought. But what if what if they take a little while to gel? What if they take a minute, a game or two? Well, now all of a sudden you're behind the eight ball. So the position that I'm looking at is the overs. I think it's a lot easier for this team to hit the ground running and say, okay, we know defensively we're not going to be where we were. When AD comes back and he's real evaluated in three weeks or so, we're not going to be the number three defense in the NBA. We know that. So what are we going to do? Well, you don't want to switch the entire team up. We know we can play good defense. we got to start an offensive mindset. We have to start outscoring people, and we have the talent to do it. And you put Kuzma on the team, and you have LeBron, who might have been taking a step back, a little bit of a step back offensively. They're in line with his career averages, but all of a sudden I think his averages are going to go up. If you're a fantasy player, daily fantasy guy, I'm paying for LeBron now because I think he has to. I think he has to step up. So let's take a quick look at the schedule and dive in a little bit deeper here, okay? Before the All-Star break, who do you have? Miami. Miami defensive metric style, by the way. Look at Miami and the defensive metrics. They're seventh overall in points allowed right now. They allow 27 rebounds per game, which is Awful. Uh, they allow they are 27th in rebounds per game, which is just awful. 29th in three-pointers allowed. 30th in blocks. They don't get up in anyone's face. So I'm looking at Miami and I go, okay, this is a good opportunity for them to score. At home, against Miami, a team that, sure, points-wise, says seventh, which means that the total is going to be lower, which means you might be able to soar over. That's an opportunity. Washington very well is maybe the worst defense in the league. Look, they're ranked as the worst defense in the NBA as of today. They are ranked number 30th, 27th in rebounding, defensive rebounding. They come in 27th, 28th, 27th, 28th in blocks, 28th in opponent's three-point percentage, 28th in defensive rating. I mean, they are the worst defense in the NBA by many, many metrics. You don't think LeBron wants to score there? All right. So I see two opportunities to buy an over. Now you go to Utah on Wednesday, and Utah will be a little bit tough. Utah's a very good defense. Rudy Gobert's very good. But what, is, what kind of total is this set at? Remember, 
the computers, the guys that set the lines, the public in general, are still going to be looking at the Lakers as a number three defense against Utah, who's a number one or a two defense, right? I mean, we're still talking about two top three, top four defenses. I think the number's going to be a little bit lower. You might be able to hit three in a row here. Three overs in a row is in play this week, immediate going on the Lakers. Then you get Portland, Golden State, Phoenix, all at home. All at home. Portland, Golden State, Phoenix. Portland is ranked 25th in the league in scoring. They allow just about as much defensive problems as Washington in a lot of metrics. Garbage. Golden State ranked 22nd in defense across the league. So here we go. I'm starting to see a, a path here, and then we get Phoenix. Now, Phoenix is is a streaking team. They look really good, and they're number four overall defense as of today. Finish it off with Sacramento, who I do believe, that's why I hesitate with Washington, I do believe is the worst defense in the league. They're ranked 29th overall 28th in defensive rebounds, 30th in field goals allowed, 29th in opponent's field goal percentage, 27th in opponent's three-point percentage. Defensive metrics has them at 30th. I think that the Lakers here are in a position where they announced at the beginning of the week, they announced, announced on Monday the 15th that in two or three weeks, Anthony Davis is going to be reevaluated. Okay? So you look at, at the 20 seconds one week, All of a sudden, the first is two weeks. They go through the All-Star break. He will be reevaluated after the All-Star break. Now, the optimist says, okay, if he could come back right after that, who have the Lakers played? The Lakers would have played Minnesota, Brooklyn, Miami, Washington, Utah, Portland, Golden State, Phoenix, and Sacramento. Two defenses that mean anything. Two defenses that can actually put up a fight. Minnesota and Brooklyn, you already had that in the books. Miami and Washington at home, Portland at home, Golden State at home, Phoenix at home, Sacramento's a joke. Guys, they have a very favorable schedule. They're getting most of their chunk of their games is at home. They're going to have one tough game. they got to go to Utah. It's the first time they're going to face Utah this year. It's for first place in, in a lot of ways. Utah has everything to gain. Utah has everything to lose. If Utah loses that game, they may lose their grip on first place. They also lose the battle of, you know what, we're underappreciated. We just lost to a non-Anthony Davis Lakers team. So take that Utah game out where they place, uh, they're going to play a very good defense, the likely defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert. He's leading uh, the MVP odds right now, defensive MVP odds. It's going to be at Utah, thin air, Lots of running around right there, right? In the middle of, of a situation where Utah is looking for blood, we can beat this Laker team. I don't care if they have Anthony Davis. It doesn't matter to them. Take that one out. Surrounding that, Miami's a joke offensively. They can be a little trouble. Defensively, they're a joke. Washington is the literally the worst team in the league defensively. Sacramento, second worst team in the league defensively. Portland, 25th. Golden State... You have a lot of situations here where for the next three weeks, while Anthony Davis is getting reevaluated, you're going to see the overreaction. You might be able to see so much of an overreaction that the Lakers are a good buy. The Lakers can be a good buy. I'm not going to talk you out of that, but I certainly know that the over is going to be a good buy. Because you look at these these teams, you look at what I believe the Lakers are going to have to come to the conclusion. I think the Lakers are going to have to come to the conclusion that we have got to play faster. We've got to score more. We've got to go offensive 
instead of trying to replicate what we had with Anthony Davis. And if you're going to go offensive and you're going to go down that path, what better situation? What better situation than in the seven games that you're going to play from here on out? You play five of the worst defenses in the NBA. Two of the absolute 29th and 30th worst defenses in the NBA. Out of the next seven games, you're playing five at home. Your only real road game is Utah. It's your only concern. LeBron, you have this in front of you. And I'm not even telling you necessarily that you have to go out here and sweep sweep the board. You just got to kind of keep your head above water here, right? Over the next seven games, LeBron, you got to go four and three. I don't think that's hard. You're not losing to Washington at home, right? You're not losing uh, to Sacramento. So that's two wins. You got to pull off a win here. Phoenix, Golden State, Portland. I know they could be tough. Got to pull off a win there, and you probably got to beat Miami. I'm not going to give you a win at Utah. So there you go. I mean, that's the path. And if we're sitting here, it's all doom and gloom this week. Anthony Davis goes down. All of a sudden, every channel I turn on, oh, that's it. It's the end of the world. That's it. Lakers are done. I'm not a Lakers fan. I never stick up for LeBron. I never stick up for the Lakers. But, guys, this is an overreaction. It's an overreaction because in three weeks, when we get back from the All-Star break, when we enter back into this and we're having a conversation, the All-Star break is gone, Anthony Davis is going to be reevaluated. The Lakers are still going to be in playoff contention. The Lakers very well still be might be the number two seed. Maybe they'll fall down to the number three seed. The Lakers are going to play a different type of basketball. It's going to be up speed. It's going to be up tempo. There's going to be a lot of scoring. But the Lakers have a very favorable schedule from here on out, at least until then. So why are we going to overreact now? Let's wait this thing out, sit down, hear what the, what the final analysis of Anthony Davis is. And I said it in the beginning, I will join all the sky is falling people. Out there in La La Land. I'll join all of you if Anthony Davis is out for the year. If Anthony Davis is out for the full season, we'll miss the playoffs. The second half, he'll miss the finals. If he's completely done, Lakers fans, you're right. You probably have no chance at a championship this year. I would be selling. That's it. I'm done. But until we know that, you can't go out here and flip out. You just can't. The biggest competition for them in the West is still the Clippers. It was always the Clippers. All you need to do is get Anthony Davis ready for the playoffs. And not even the... Look, the Lakers could sleepwalk through the first round and still win. Lakers might be able to get to the Western Conference Championship without AD. They might. Now, I don't think they're winning the West. And I don't think they're winning in a ring without him. But they could get damn close. So, stop with the sky is falling. And understand how can I make money. You might be able to make some money on the Lakers. Now, they're at home. They're against garbage teams. I don't see a lot of buying opportunities. But you certainly will be able to make money on the totals. Look at these bad defenses. Look at what the Lakers are. Look at what the Lakers are going to be forced to become. And that's something to pay attention to. All right, guys. Let's take a quick timeout. We'll be back right after this. I'm Gary Myers, the host of the podcast, The Coach, Tom Brady. And you'll listen to Tom Barton on the Sports Garden Network. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? 
What are the odds? Well, I mentioned the MVP award and the NBA MVP. It's already done. LeBron, you've wrapped it up. Walk home with it, but I'll give you the odds here. LeBron James is 2-1 to one right now. The Joker up there in Denver, 4-1. to one. Joel Embiid is 5-1. to one. Kevin Durant, 550. Luka Doncic, plus 850. Giannis and Curry are both 14 to 1. Dame is 33 to 1. 36 to 1 is Kawhi. Anthony Davis was 60 to 1 before he went down. Thought you'd want to know that. James Harden, 66 to 1. Paul George, 80 to 1. Then Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Trey Young, Devin Booker are all a 100 to 1. That is what are the odds? Yeah, I did mention that that it's over, right? I mean, and it is. Let's just be honest. The MVP race is complete. LeBron has won it. I should have been on him. I grabbed him last year, and I thought that that they wanted to give it to him last year. And I feel like we're in the same position, that we have to understand that this is a wanting-to-give-it-to-someone situation. Uh, this is not a statistical analysis. This is not, well, who's going to lead the league in scoring or rebounding or what. This is who wants to have it. Now, I threw some money on Kevin Durant, and I believe that some of this was they wanted him to win it. But James Harden goes there, and I think that that hurt him. I think that James Harden going um, is going to automatically just take a little shine off of the Kevin Durant. So you look at this and you go, well, Giannis isn't going to be the guy because they're not going to give it to him back to back to back. I do think Giannis could get back into the conversation. I do think Giannis is a guy that could get back into the conversation and have this where it is, you know what, he's got the statistics to do it. I just don't think they want to give it to him back to back to back if he hasn't had a great year. And now he's had a good year, but it's not great. And I think you have to have a great year to kind of get that back-to-back. So, that I mean, that that takes Giannis out. Doncic was leading the way. He was the preseason favorite to win it all. Win the MVP. I thought it was crazy to do it, and I like the guy, but his team's garbage. Absolute garbage. They're, they're, they're not even in the playoff race right now. And you look at Golden State, Steph Curry's team is in 14th place. Steph Curry's putting up some good numbers, but he's not in it. So it really comes down to three. And it comes down to three guys with Joel Embiid, is one of the three. Joel Embiid has a very, very good argument here. Career best, almost 30 points per game. Shooting career best from the field. Shooting career best from three-point range. Shooting career best from free throw range. Philadelphia, pretty much the best team in the East, right? And you look at when he's on the court, when he's not, when he's been injured, they can't even sniff 500. Embiid, when he's in there, oh yeah, this team is, is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So, you know, you you have to take a look at all this and and you have to say to yourself, what is this about? Well, is Joel Embiid that guy? That guy that's going to be the trophy holder? Maybe. Maybe he could do it. Maybe Philly will, will just go on a tear here, but they usually don't like to give it to big men. Joel Embiid's statistics are very, very impressive, but they're not mind-blowing, oh my goodness, impressive. And that's going to hold him back a little bit. Especially when you're going up against the guy in front of him. Playing the same position, same type of guy, is, of course, the Joker up in Denver. Now, he opened up at 30-1 to odds, which was fantastic. Now he's all the way as the number two guy. He's the best passing uh, center in the NBA. I mean, he's the best passing big man in the NBA. Let's just be honest. And he can set historical marks, historical marks, where Wilt Chamberlain in the 60s was putting out there. But his team is bad this year. I mean, his team is just, it is a bad, if Denver was having the year, which they've continued to have seemingly forever, where they lead the league and everything, and, and he'd be he'd be the front runner by far. 
Because getting to James, like I said, his numbers are not outstanding. His numbers are career averages. But the Lakers are outstanding. And the Lakers' defense is. And a lot of people are putting that on James. And they want LeBron James to win. You don't discount the want factor. Don't discount the guys that are voting for this and what exactly that they want. Because there certainly is a want factor here. All right, so that's a little NBA talk, guys. I wanted to get uh, some of that out of the way. Now let's get into a little college basketball because we did talk last week about the ACC and my determination about the ACC and how I feel with them. Uh, Before we go into some of the other conferences and, and my feeling on some of the other conferences, I do want to just go over. I know this was announced, but as we get closer to March Madness, it needs to be repeated. So the NCAA is going to have the entire championship in 2021 all in Indiana. So it's not really a bubble, okay? But what it is, it's all in Indiana. They didn't want to travel across the country. They didn't want to put the the kids in jeopardy there. So the majority of the tournament is going to take place in Indianapolis, okay? Selection Sunday is still scheduled for March 14th. Okay, the final four should be on April 3rd and April 5th. The exact dates are are still a little bit out there. Okay, this is what they're trying to do. And whether you believe in uh, COVID, not believe in it, buy into the double mask or whatnot. Look, we're going to get a tournament and we're going to get a tournament. It's all going to pretty much be there. Now, the tournament, Ball State, Butler, the Horizon League, Indiana, Indiana University, Purdue, Indianapolis, Purdue, uh, these are all going to try to help. The facilities, the convention center is going to be a practice facility. Uh, Marriott Properties are going to be an NCAA partner. And then you're going to use this all for all the teams that are going to be there. As the weeks go by, look, week one, it's going to be a mess. There's no easy way around this, right? Week one's going to be a disaster. It's going to be a disaster because there's so many teams, there's so many kids, there's so many it, it, it question marks. It's going to be a disaster. But very quickly, that goes to half, like in four days, right? On Thursday, all the teams are there. On Sunday, they're not there. <laughs> I mean, it's that quick. So I think it's going to be all right. Now, all of the games are going to be played inside two courts inside Lucas Oil Stadium. Okay, and Bankers Life Fieldhouse, Hinkle Fieldhouse, Indiana Farm, Farmers Coliseum, Mackey Arena in West Lafayette. Uh, assembly Center over in Bloomington. Only one game at a time is going to be played at Lucas Oil Field. So this is going to be really a a little interesting this season. It's not something that I'm looking at quite yet and saying I'm finding an angle on a handicapping aspect. But I'm looking for one. (laughs) I, I, I certainly am looking for one. I don't see it being uh, like that. Look, when the NBA played, and they, they're a team that played in a real bubble, uh, a league played in a real bubble, and, and a team that I bet on and I gave you guys before the year was the Miami Heat. And one of the reasons why the Miami Heat were, were a team that I felt good investing my money into was because they were playing at home. There was no travel. They, they still had everything. They were used to the situation. I'm not looking at this as that kind of spotlight and looking at this from a handicapper's perspective in that way. Now, I will say that I do believe experience always pays off. I always look for experience. I always like guard play when I'm talking about teams going deep into the tournament. 
Coaching is always a, a part of it as well. But in this case, this conversation, experience is massive. Experience is massive because I think it's going to be a little overwhelming for everyone. And I'm talking everyone from the coaches to the training staff to the players themselves. And I just believe that an 18-year-old will not be equipped to handle the overwhelmingness of a 22-year-old or a 21-year-old. I don't believe that. So I'll be looking at senior-laden teams. Senior-laden teams, maybe a little bit more. Maybe that's the angle I go with. I want to hear from you guys, though. Facebook, Twitter, let me know. It's SportsGunGRTN, hashtag SGN. Tell me what angle you think we should look at with this new location in college basketball and the new location situation that we are having. All right, let's talk a little bit. I want to talk about the rankings, and the rankings come out, and I always have a problem with them, and who doesn't, okay? So the rankings were released this week. Gonzaga and Baylor, they're unchanged at the top. They are 1-2, and it should be that way. Gonzaga and Baylor are, to me, clearly the 1-2. They are clearly headed for a collision course. Now, we hardly ever get the two best teams in the country playing each other for the finals. But I sure hope we get there this year because these two are the absolute one-twos, and that's fine. The Bulldogs got 59 out of 64 first-place votes. The Bears got the other five. That's how it should be. I think Gonzaga is better than Baylor right now. I think Gonzaga um, should be ranked ahead of Baylor right now, and these two should be ranked one-two. I don't have any problems for that. Michigan's three. Ohio State's four. Illinois is five. Michigan at three is a little a little alerting to me because why are they continuing to – they are one of the few teams that are very good and covering spreads. The lines makers still don't like Michigan. Can you make money on them? Sure, you can make money on them. I'm still not bought into Michigan. For whatever reason, and I can't really pinpoint it, I'm not bought, buying into Michigan. I'm not buying into the Big Ten as a whole which makes Ohio State at four and Illinois at five kind of counteract my argument. I know a lot of people are going to go, Tom, what are you talking about? To me, the Big East is very, very strong, top to bottom. Very, very strong conference, top to bottom. ACC is a down year. Pac-12 is a down year. SEC is a down year. The Big Ten is a year that is massively, massively top-loaded, like you can see, three, four, five. Out of the three, four, five year, I think Illinois might be the best. I think Illinois might have the most pedigree. I consistently underrate Ohio State. I understand that. But I think Illinois is the best of the next one, two, three. Six, Houston, Virginia, Alabama, Oklahoma, Villanova round out the top ten. Houston's a team that, look, they're ranked six, but I don't think Wichita State is even that far away from them in their own conference. I think they're close. Virginia, yeah, look, uh, the ACC, it's a top dog in the ACC. Even though the ACC is down, they're getting a lot of love, and Virginia should. They're well-coached. They've been here before. I don't have a problem with that. I do have a problem with Alabama here. Alabama's going through a joke of an SEC schedule. The SEC is just not good this year. And they're beating up. Oh, they beat up on Kentucky twice. Well, Kentucky's garbage. Garbage. Oklahoma, Villanova, I'm okay with that. I actually think Villanova should be ranked a little higher. Creighton. Uh, they jumped all the way up there at number 14. Missouri took a huge fall. Yeah, because the SEC is garbage. They're all the way down to 20. And all of a sudden, Kansas is back in this thing. Also, by the way, Arkansas barely made it. And San Diego State made it. Um, Oklahoma State, Purdue, Rutgers all fell out of the rankings. 
I we talked about the ACC and my feelings about the ACC and who exactly this team is and and uh, who this conference is and who they are. Uh, just real quick, one of the things that I bet on all the time, and I, if I'm repeating myself from last week, just understand I'm trying to pound it into people's heads. I like teams in the tournament that are battle-tested. Day in, day out, game in, game out, they go against elite competition, they play very good teams, and, they go, and they're battle-tested. I made it very, very clear last week, I do not think the ACC is battle-tested this year. I don't think it's a very good conference this year. They're down. There's about three teams inside the top 25, but after that, it gets pretty weak. The SEC is very much the same. You have two or three teams that might be good. Alabama might be good. Arkansas might be good. You have two or three teams there, but the rest of the conference is having a bad down year. You can't convince me that USC is a, a very good team. I think Oregon has some talent, but the Pac-12 is having a down year. So the conference that you have to go through the battles with, game in, game out, night in, night out, conference battles all the time, everyone's going to point to the Big Ten. And I think that's a mistake. Because the Big Ten has some good teams, but a lot of cupcakes as well. Mine's the Big East. I think the Big East this year represents my old ACC, the ACC team that I look at and I go, you know what, I like that team. Why? Because they're battle-tested. They may not have the greatest slot. Maybe they're a seven-seed or an eight-seed, but they're battle-tested. They could go on. They could go through this. They, they are ready for this. That's how I look at the ACC. That's how I, I've looked at the ACC for years not this year. No, 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 no. This year, to me, it's the Big East. And the Big East goes very deep. It's not only the Villanovas and the Creightons, who I both believe can be in the Final Four. But it goes very deep. Even going all the way down to a DePaul, who's uh, the basement bottom feeders, they play good defense. You know, there's no easy outs in this conference. And it's being a little overlooked because of the top heaviness of the Big Ten. You put the Big Ten up against the Big East in a head-to-head tournament in a field of 64? Head-to-head, look, Nova, Creighton, Seton Hall against, you know, the top three there, the Ohio State, the Michigan, and the Illinois. People are all going to take the Big Ten. And I get it. I mean, I could get on my soapbox and argue, but I can get it. After that, what do we got? Go down to the six, seven, eighth teams. Big East is stronger. Big East has better competition. And I'm not so convinced that Villanova can't beat Michigan. I'm not so convinced that Creighton can't go out there and beat Ohio State. I'm not that convinced. Now, I'm high on the Illini. But I'm not convinced that the Illini are better than Villanova right now. Head-to-head tomorrow, neutral court, Villanova-Illini. I think it's a pick game. Villanova might be favored because the public like them more, but but I think it's a pick game. I think it's a coin flip. Michigan over Villanova, head-to-head right now, neutral court, minus two, minus three for Michigan. I mean, it's a handful of points. So you can make an argument that even the front-loaded part of the Big Ten schedule and the Big Ten big elite teams overall, they're right there, if not maybe a tad worse. Maybe a tad worse. So for me... I'll take the Big East. I'll look at the Big East this year as the conference I'll follow going into the tournament. They're the conference that I will ACC, quote-unquote, as I usually do, which is I usually take three teams in the ACC and go, you're going to the Elite Eight because you're battle-tested. You're going far, and it's worked out well for me. Most years, I have about two teams from the ACC going to the Final Four. 
couple years ago, I had three teams go to the Final Four from the ACC. And it's not that I'm an ACC fan. It's that I love the battle test. So we go, we look through the conferences this year. But there's two conferences that could be battle tested. It's the Big Ten and the Big East. I'm choosing one to roll with. And I'll be running with the Xavier's, the Seton Halls, those middling teams. Because everyone's going to be on Villanova and Creighton. And I very well can see Villanova and Creighton getting to the Elite Eight and someone else, whether it be a Seton Hall and a Xavier or who else. So that's that's where I'm looking at for look ahead to March. Take a glance into March. That's how I'm taking a peek at this thing. That's where I'm looking at this thing, and that's where I think we all have to take a peek. But that is in the future. And now, let's bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to the future. Bet to the future. All right, guys, bet to the future. I'm talking college basketball. Here are the odds to win the NCAA championship as it stands today. Gonzaga and Baylor are both exactly 3-1. to one. Now, look, I told you, I kind of like Gonzaga. I'm leaning a little bit towards Gonzaga if they went head-to-head. But both 3-1 to win to win the championship. You want Villanova? How about Michigan? Didn't I just tell you guys they're really close? Well, the lines makers agree with me because they're both 10-1. to one. Texas comes in at 12-1. to one. Wisconsin, 13-1. to one. Ohio State, 14-1. to one. Florida State 16 to 1. This is a, a conversation where all of a sudden you start to see the, the massive drop off, and the massive drop off goes into the Virginias of the world, which you're still looking at Virginias of the world at 20 to 1 to win the national championship. That is bet to the future. Yeah, guys, look, I think this year is going to be a fun year. I really think we have a fun year set up because there is no preemptive, just absolute favorite. We have two favorites, right? Now, who's the third best team in the league? I mean, that's up for a lot of debate. And in the final four, there's got to be four. So, I mean, there is going to be uh, somebody else there. We know that. And and when you get to the final four, yeah, sure. It's going to be someone. And uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be a Big East team because I – just gave you all of all of my metrics. Here are my metrics. Here is why. I really quickly want to touch on a little uh, against the spread action here. Against the spreads, the best teams in the league, worst teams in the league, um, and and you'll see teams above thirty percent cover rate. You're only getting a handful from one of the big conferences. The rest are underneath these minor teams. The Prairie Views, Grand Canyon, Michigan, James Madison, Drake, Weber State, Navy, Baylor, Belmont, Nevada, American, Toledo, Houston, Houston Baptist, Yukon, Akron, Morehead State, Wake Forest, Sam Houston State, Abigail Christian, Utah State, Virginia Military, Colgate, and Cleveland State. Those are all teams that are covering at a 70% clip or more. You heard a lot of lower conferences in there. In there, you did hear Michigan, the conference leader, a team that is covering, and you did hear Baylor. Two teams that are absolutely covering, and they're in big conferences. Outside of that, there's only two others. Only two others from big conferences are doing anything in the covering rate. It's all underground teams. A team like Belmont, who's in first place, don't overlook a Belmont, who's in first place and covering the spread. team like Drake, crushing it, covering the spread. James Madison, 80% win percentage and covering the spread. These teams are covering the spread because they're lower divisions, they're lower conferences. And the lines makers, they don't care about these lower conferences. They don't pay attention to these lower conferences. So make sure that you do. How about on the other side? 30% 
cover rate the other way, meaning just bet against these teams. And we're going to go from 30 down to the worst. So Nebraska, Omaha, Boston U, Idaho, New Mexico State, Mississippi Valley State, Florida International, Kentucky, yeah, because he was supposed to be good. They're garbage. They're hitting at about 27%. San Fran, Arkansas, Little Rock, Portland, UC, San Diego, Duke. Duke is covering at about 25% clip. Northern Iowa, Western Carolina, Tennessee State, Eastern Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan State, Michigan State. Oh, yeah. Chicago State, Eastern Illinois, Cincinnati, Cal Poly, Lehigh, Arizona State, and Northern Illinois. That's the teams that are worst in the league at covering. And you look at some of these teams and you go, oh, of course, Duke, Kentucky, covering. Why? Because people are still throwing money on them. People are still throwing money at them thinking that they're good and they're not. So this is a spot where you can pick out some of these teams and say, yeah, I don't think it's going to get any better. Duke and Kentucky, they're not going to get better over the course of the year. And people are still going, well, it's Duke and Kentucky. Keep that in mind for the tournament time. Because come tournament time, you're really going to have to take a peek at this. How about the over-unders? Let's talk about a little teams that are covering. I'm going to eliminate some of the Howards, Eastern Michigans that only have three, four games under their belts. American, right? So, Ball State, Stephen F. Austin, Oakland, these are the best teams, 75% or more to the over this year. Then we get into Wagner, Delaware State, Southern Utah, Cincinnati, Cal Baptist, Youngstown State, Oral Roberts, Cal State Fullerton, Long Beach State, West Virginia, Lehigh. They're all over 70% to the over. Again, not a lot of huge names. You're seeing a lot of under-radar colleges. A lot of these lower conferences, well, the totals are set. And people are going, yeah, you know what? For the big conferences, oh, I want to see scoring, I want to see scoring. Yeah, but it's not there. It's not here. What you're seeing are the Oaklands of the world, the Stephen F. Austins of the world, the Ball States of the world. Make sure you pay attention to that. How about on the other side? How about the good under teams? And we'll talk about the good under teams here. DePaul, best under team in the nation right now. Portland State, New Mexico, Maine, Delaware, Memphis, Mississippi, Grand Canyon, Indiana State, Hartford, Texas A&M, Elon, Eastern Tennessee, Morehead State, Mount St. Mary's, Idaho State, UAB, Tulane, Valpo, UMKC, Fordham. They're all at about 70% to the under. You look at a DePaul. And they're in a major conference. And you go, why are they getting the under? Well, because they're playing good teams. And people just equate that to good scoring. Something to pay attention to, guys. That's something to absolutely highlight these teams. When a Hartford plays a Maine, what do you think? Do you think that the line's going to be set accurately? Hartford plays a Maine. I mean, the line should be set at like 115, but it's not. It's not because people don't know these teams. They don't know them well enough to say, okay, that's just a straight under. Let's just absolutely close our eyes and go to the under. How about some defensive metrics? Okay. Who leads the country right now? Defensive metrics, points scored, meaning opponents' points scored against them. Not the big boys that you would think. Loyola Chicago, number one. They play 21 games, 56 points against. Houston's coming in at number two, 57. Liberty at 58 and a half. Virginia at just under 60. UAB, Abilene Christian, just under 60. San Diego State's at 60. Idaho State's at 60. Kansas City, UC Riverside, Utah State, Grand Canyon, Mount St. Mary's, North Texas, Tennessee, St. Mary's, Siena, all at about 61. This is defensive metrics. 62 is Vermont, and I mention Vermont because that's a team that has kind of under, 
uh, underscored themselves this year. They got out of the gates a little slow. Didn't really, but but every year they're always seemingly in the tournament. Every year people are on top of them. They're starting to get things right, man. Now they've only played eleven games, but they're starting to get things right. I'm buying on Vermont. I'm buying on Texas State. I one of my best bets. I've hit Texas State under a little while here. We all know about Virginia, so you're not going to get great lines with Virginia. We all know about San Diego State. You're not going to get great lines with San Diego State. We know that. But look at the top and look at some of these elite teams. And when I say elite teams, you're going to go, oh, Power 5. No, not Power 5 elite teams. The Loyola Chicago's, they're going to be a tournament team, probably going to win their conference. Loyola Chicago's had a fantastic year built on defense. Houston, Houston's ranked in the top 10. Top 10 overall, I just told you that Wichita State's pretty close, but they're top 10. Second best defense in the country. These statistics matter, guys. These statistics mean something. They mean something because a lot of people aren't paying attention to them. And then you have the other side. Let's take a look at the other side now. Again, I'm not going to go on Howard, who's only played five games at Chicago State. But Mississippi Valley letting up 90 and a half points per game. Delaware State, 88 points a game. Long Beach State, St. Joseph's, Portland, Oakland, South Carolina State, Houston Baptist, Central Arkansas, San Jose State, San Fran, Brooklyn, Coppin State, Denver, Northwestern, uh, Northwestern State, make no mistake, Fairleigh Dickinson, Omaha, Sanford, Bryant, and Lehigh. All about 80 points or more. And yeah, Mississippi Valley is allowing 90 and a half points per game. Now, you see giant numbers like that, and you say to yourself, what number do they have to put out to scare bettors away from betting it? The Delaware states of the world. What number do you have to put out? Now, Delaware State was supposed to play Howard this weekend in a game where you have the 337th ranked defense against a 338th ranked defense. What do you think the perceived total was going to be? Because you have you know early totals. The, the game got canceled. Perceived total for Delaware Howard over was only 155. 155, one team allows 88, the other team allows 85. Why is it that number? Because on lower teams, lower conferences, teams that are bad, Delaware State's got one win, they're bad, bad teams, bad conferences, teams and conferences that people don't care about, they cannot set an accurate total at 170 because they're just going to get flooded with money that people don't have any idea and they're just going to go under. So you have to set it at a decent number here. And that means there's low volume. That means there's a buying opportunity for us. So where do I see buying opportunity? Look, Oakland is constantly a high-scoring team. They have a bad defense. This is a good buying opportunity anytime you see Oakland. I, like I gave you Vermont and stuff on the defensive side, let me give you some offense. San Jose State. Now, San Jose State's in a conference where a lot of teams play defense. They don't play a lot of offense, but San Jose State allowing 81 points a game, yeah, that's about right. That's about right. Problem is San Jose State doesn't score a lot, but I'll be taking a peek at, at that. Long Beach State is the one that I want to concentrate on here, though. And Long Beach State is going to be my last conversation with you guys because I want you to do your due diligence and, and pay attention to this. Long Beach State's allowing 84 points a game. Now, they've only played 10 games. They've only played 10 games. How much can you make out of a 10-game swing allowing about 85 points a game? I think a lot. 
I know the program. I've watched the program for the last decade plus. And the program is a high-scoring program. Long Beach State is usually one of the better teams in that conference. That conference plays a lot of defense. But when Long Beach State gets going, they force teams to keep up with them. Now, Long Beach State hasn't gotten off to a great start. Obviously, their defense is terrible. Where do I see it going from here? I see a lot more overs. I think you're going to see a Long Beach State team with a lot more overs and favorable lines because most people are looking at this Long Beach State team and they're going, oh, well, you know what? They're usually very good. Oh, and they're in a conference that doesn't score. They're going to be going up against teams that generally don't score. Cal Poly's of the world. They do play Hawaii still twice. Okay, well, you got Hawaii. UC Irvine. You have some buying opportunities for an over there. Something to pay attention to. When you look at the defensive metrics and you look at the offensive scoring, you got to take a, a glance and say, what can I make money on and how can I make this work out to my benefit and to my advantage? Well, I hope I gave you the points here to absolutely give you those tools. All right, guys, I'm Tom Bard for Wagering Week. We'll be back and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.